I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Holy gun-toting Aunt Harriet, it's my time for Mustache CTV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I'm your TV guy, Brett White. And I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com. And this is a quarantine iteration of the podcast, which means that you didn't hear any music up top and you're not going to hear any audio clips throughout the episode. So get over it. <laughs> Sorry, because otherwise the uh, podcast would never get done. And it is more important that you hear us talking about sitcoms than you hear uh, Burt Ward say holy piano. Although... It is really great to hear Burt Ward say holy piano, but hopefully the return of the podcast in this awful time is going to make y'all smile and get distracted from the hell that we are currently living in. I am joined by Hall of Fame returning guests quarantined together in Queens, Ethan K and Megan K. Hello, Ethan and Megan. Hello, 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 hello. It, it should be uh, important to note that we are quarantined on, only several blocks away from you, Brett, and yet we will never see you again. Yeah, that is, yep, it is a nice 20-minute walk to your place. You and, are not socially distant in my heart. And I will never be back there. So, yeah, what have y'all been watching while in quarantine? Uh, it's been a lot of comfort anime. But also uh, enjoying Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. As far as, as far as sitcoms go, Westworld has been uh, a big hit for us. Does Westworld seem like a better reality than the one we're living in right now? No. Okay, no, really? They make, they make it real bad. They uh. have somehow managed to make it even more horrifying. Okay. By, like, quantifying it and turning it into an algorithm. Because uh, I've never... feels more inescapable than viral... Uh, uh, onslaught oh boy so uh today though we're gonna be traveling <laughs> to october 26th and october 27th 1966 way way out ruled the box office 96 tears by question mark and the mysterians topped the charts that's a great and, song yeah it is and abc aired the batman episodes the devil's fingers and the dead ringers ethan and megan you must have seen the devil's fingers and the dead ringers before today mm, devil me fingies <laughs> I, I actually seen them before but i didn't it was i was maybe 11 so i don't remember details other than liberace was the guest villain he played the piano and that was about it yeah, so if, you know, coming back, I've always, so I've always wanted to do Batman on the podcast, which 
it is technically it was nominated for an Emmy for Best Outstanding Comedy, so it is a comedy, and there are plenty of situations. Oh, <laughs> that show is ninety nine percent situations. <laughs> One could argue it is nothing but situations. Um, so it is definitely a situation comedy, uh, and I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And if I was going to do a Batman episode, you two are the two to do it with, because I don't know, you know, two bigger Batman fans in my day to day life. Hey, probably. <laughs> That is accurate. Yeah. I, uh, what is your history a... with Batman 66? Oh, my God. I was, like I said, I, I was probably, I was younger than 11. I might, I might have been around 9 or 10 when it was airing on reruns on Channel 11 in Pennsylvania. I forget what that is or what it is now. And uh, I was young enough to realize that every episode was pretty much the same. They, oh, they wow. followed the same beats. But there were always colorful villains, and I was always more interested in to see who the big villain is. And when they when they hit that villain, it was kind of like the uh, the trigger, knowing if it would be a good episode or not. So they said, you know, they go through the first situation, they they, they drop the first clue usually, and then Batman comes in and says, I say it's the Penguin, or I say it's Mr. Freeze, and you're like, oh, cool, it's, it's going to be a Mr. Freeze episode. And then there'd be episodes where, like, I, I think it's shame, and you're like, oh, it's Cliff Robertson as a cowboy. <laughs> you get to watch Cliff Robertson as a cowboy for an hour. Here's Vincent right. Price in a bald cap, although that's a great one, right? That hey. was a pretty there was There were some that were just not... Like Marsha, Queen of Diamonds, I found was like a snoozer. Uh, Black Widow was a snoozer. Like Sandman was a snoozer. Like there were some that were just kind of like, yeah. all right, you just dressed up this character actor and they're doing something. Uh, Megan, what's your history? So this my main history with Batman growing up was watching it on the TV land reruns in my grandparents house, specifically when my mom would just be like, I can't take my children anymore and would hand them off to her mom for a few (laughs) days, um, which was frequently enough. So uh, my main thing that I kind of remember from it uh, very specifically was the and a lot of kind of like young questioning people kind of have this realization as they get older where <laughs> I was only ever interested in the episodes where there were like hot lady henchmen. Oh, well, that's this one for <laughs> sure. Like, <laughs> which I mean, there was, there was no shortage of. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, I was, I, I distinctly remember having those moments where I was just like, wow, that lady in that bikini is just neat. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved about this episode too, not to jump into it too much, but this episode had, way more female henchmen than any other episode that I can remember. Yeah. Because usually it was, sirens, it, phantasms. It was, like, <laughs> it was like three or four burly dudes and like one girlfriend. Yeah, usually they fret around a lot, but this time it was three and they were like the main villains. So this was, this broke from tradition. Well, but this is also a very Liberace moment to be oh, like, yeah. no, I have three. <laughs> I will have three, a harem of my ladies. So like this, I don't remember when I started watching Batman 66 because it has always just been a part of my DNA. Like I specifically remember, I don't know where it was airing in probably like 89, like the late eighties. It might've been on Nick at night by then, but like, this was me and my dad's show, and I would, like, sit on his lap in his recliner. We would watch it together, and I was obsessed with Batman so much that when I was Batman for Halloween in 1989, when Tim Burton's Batman came out, 
I, my mom like got the pattern from Walmart to make the costume and it was supposed to be all black. And I was like, no, the movie's wrong. Batman is gray and blue. So I made my mom like bend over backwards trying to find the right shade of blue <laughs> and gray for my costume because I didn't want to be I thought that the Michael Keaton Batman was wrong I was like that's that's a weird adaptation <laughs> he is blue and gray um so like Batman 66 has always had a special place in my heart I I would have gotten into Batman if the comics in 92 93 were as good as the X-Men comics were it was a weird time I got my first ever comics were Batman comics, but it was like a black mask two-parter and like a kid that's coming up on Batman 66 and the animated series. He's a black mask thing. And I'm like, I don't care about this. I don't know what this is. Like if it had had Riddler or Joker in it, maybe I would have been like, yes. Well, I did that the same way was the first time I ever went into a comic store was Dreamscape Comics in Palmer Township, Pennsylvania. This was their satellite store. And the movie had just come out. And I had seen the Batman 66 episodes when they were on TV, and I didn't know anything about wall books or new books every week. Mm. I just knew there was a bin that had a little tag on it that said Batman. And I'm like, okay, I know Batman, and I know some of his villains. So I went to this bin and pulled out a whole bunch of like, you know, copper and bronze age issues Mm. where the villains that I recognized were on the cover. So those were some Joker issues. Those were some Matt Hatt issues. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> there were like penguin issues so i the earliest ones i got were ha- like chosen from that bin just because i could recognize the villains on the front catwoman was another one yeah the villains are a main thing i remember there was a um so the batman like newspaper strip from like the 50s was there a batman newspaper strip yeah. Okay. Carmen so Fantino did the art. Yeah. So they had taken all those and put them in a hardcover, like bound thing that was in my elementary school library, I think. And I remember checking that out Ooh. again when I was in like kindergarten or something and like reading through that and discovering Batmite and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> Probably uh, the, the best resource that came out was right when the, the movie, the Bat Tim Burton movie, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm monopolizing the conversation, but. They released the greatest Batman stories ever told and the greatest Joker stories ever told, which were two volumes and still have them to this day. Mm. And it's 1940s to early 1980s, just some choice stories. And they've updated them since. But those first two were, in my mind, the best. And that is probably what mostly inspired what we're talking about today. This week on Must Have Seen TV, we are talking about the Batman episodes, The Devil's Fingers and The Dead Ringers. They're the 15th and 16th episodes of season two, and they're written by Lorenzo Simple Jr. and directed by Larry Pierce. Here's how Amazon describes the episodes. Shandell, the musical virtuoso, visits Gotham City for a piano concert, and Batman and Robin escape Shandell's trap. <laughs> Even and Megan, how accurate are those descriptions? um you know it's i would say it's pretty accurate right up until kind of near the end there because i really feel like you know we got like a pretty solid you know cliffhanger at the end and they didn't do a great job honestly escaping his trap and liberace fooled them a bunch of times so (laughs) i would almost say this was a trap them yeah it was shandell's brother twin brother harry (laughs) (laughs) So I love that this is basically a Liberace show because Batman and Robin are not 
in it a lot to the point where it's like the whole thing is like, oh, my God, they're on vacation. (laughs) Which, like, again, like unquestioningly, Bruce Wayne and and Dick Grayson and Batman and Robin all happen to be on vacation at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) And they all get back at the same time. They're like, oh, good, they're back. So this is where talking about this in the context of being a sitcom makes it so much more fun. Because I think that for a long time, Batman 66 got the rap of like, no, they were trying to be serious. And that's why it's awful. And it's like, no, guys, they were writing a comedy show and they knew it was funny at the time, too. Like, yeah, it's like this thing that clicks in your mind. It's like, oh, no, it goes from being awful to being brilliant. Because if you're looking at this as like a, an actual Batman thing, then like, yeah, it is wild. But if you're looking at it as like a comedy Batman thing, it's perfect. We uh, laugh more at this than we have at most comedy pilots that are released today. Oh, yeah. I was cackling oh, over some of the things in this. Uh, so the episode opens with Aunt Harriet, um, uh, Aunt Harriet Cooper, Dick Grayson's aunt. Uh, she's just singing <laughs> with Chandel and Wayne Manor. And I'm going to pause the conversation so much as to talk about Liberace's clothes, which he reportedly provided himself. Yes, they actually so he actually provided his own wardrobe just because I was obsessed and I kept count of how many outfits were in each episode yeah. from Liberace. We rocked about five uh, costume changes for Liberace, by the way, like, sorry, uh, Chandel, yeah. by the way, not even well, twin Harry brother. had a couple. <laughs> Harry had a couple, too, and I didn't even count those. So if we did actually count those, he would have been like seven, eight costume changes in each episode. That's literally like one costume every three minutes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they are all. All, they're all so this first one is like this gold glitter jacket that's just sparkling with diamonds. And so there is an aesthetic. So Liberace seventies like is not my jam, but I feel like I think I'm discovering nineteen sixty six Liberace is very much my jam because it is a lot more tailored, um, a little bit more traditional menswear, but just with like a whole bunch of glitter thrown on it. <laughs> Oh, exactly. It's absolutely 100% like super structured camp. He was like two years away from launching his own menswear line, specifically catered to young executives. Oh my god, I need to get that all all those pieces. The designer for all of his, uh, this was his like regular costume designer in the episodes for, um, or in in the costumes for these episodes, it was Frank Acuna, Acuna, Acuna? I'm not sure. Akuna, how it, but, yeah. Like that was that was his go-to designer, and he, he also designed. Uh, this guy also designed for like Cary Grant. So oh, like he wow. was a Hollywood yeah. designer. Give me that traditional gay shit. That's what I want. Because then in the yeah. '70s, and it's all all a bunch of like serpentor capes and collars and things. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, that's not. You can't go to the mall in that. But if you <laughs> but, go back, like if you go back like five, ten years, it was just standard tuxedos too. And yet yeah, he upped his game. So. Yeah. So we get a taste of what Shandell's whole gig is. So he's a world famous pianist because he played at the White House once and it was really good. But we find out later there's more to that story. And so he's there to what? Like, is he there to like give lessons to Aunt Harriet or just like, well, we know why he's there. But what is her idea of what is going on? I want to know. Yeah, that's the thing that this is never answered. How did these two end up yeah. together? It's like he probably actively sought her out yeah, as part yeah, of con. like grander scheme. Yeah, but also like Aunt Harriet, like wh- honey, she's lonely. She re- which so like she re- larger lonely. scale. This really gets into the whole Liberace's appeal, like his target audience being older women who are convinced he is straight and they love him and they don't understand 
he's very gay. <laughs> like Anne Harriet is just the archetype of all of Liberace's audience. There's hundred percent. There's so much going on in this scene where she he, he's playing a song. He, he it opens with him playing a song for. Alfred and Aunt Harriet, and the song he plays is Loch Lomond. <laughs> Wait, what is that? Is that the it's Scottish? A, it's a Scottish song. Yeah. It's like if 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 someone said, "Hey, what's the most Scottish song you can think of?" Loch Lomond, especially at that time, was just like. <laughs> You well, take the high road and I'll take the low road and I'll be just, it's like, da, da, da. yeah. So we find that out because the whole thing, the whole trick is when he plays a Scottish song, a whole bunch of a trio of sexy Scottish Highlander phantoms appear, which they keep calling them phantoms and uh, holy apparition. <laughs> they, yeah. Like they, is that just because they appeared in smoke because they look totally corporeal? Like they don't look. 100% they look like summoned dancing girls yeah. like there is never any any moment where you actually feel like they the only time we ever they refer to themselves as ghosts and that is it yeah <laughs> and everyone just takes them at their word yeah they're ghosts just run with it and so they, they appear with a bagpipe that emits <laughs> it it looks like it's annoying the people more than actually <laughs> harming them <laughs> Because the way she, like, takes the, like, flute part of it and just, like, shoves it in their face while honking on it. <laughs> I just love that they were, like, the whole the whole gag behind this is bagpipes are super awful, right? <laughs> yeah. And so these three women who've just gotten off their sh- shift opening up a tilted kilt yeah. have now, like, shown up and are just being annoying at Shandell and Aunt Harriet. Now, I looked into these three women. Oh, good. I, they call them, I think they call them sirens at one point, too. Yeah, they call them sirens. But their but names, their names are Do, Re, Mimi. Yes. yes. So going through these, these actually have a super and the Brett, you're going to love this. Um, they have they all have their own careers. They're all actors and whatnot. The the, the main one, the redhead Doe, was was played she's by rocking Mar- the amazing mullet. Like she's got oh a crazy oh mullet. One hundred percent extensions. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This, her name was uh, Marilyn ha- uh, Hanold. She is from Jamaica, New York. Oh, where which I am, is where we live. Um, she was a playmate mm-hmm. and and a Vegas showgirl. Oh, all makes sense. Uh, she had a couple roles throughout like the early '60s, like bit parts and stuff. And then she married a millionaire and now does charity stuff. Oh, good! What a life! So, I feel like that's a weird '60s hat trick. Uh, Playboy playmate, Vegas showgirl, Batman '66 goon. I feel like that three. <laughs> I well, really thought you were going to say marry a millionaire for the last one, but oh, yeah. I'm glad you went Batman 66 instead. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll save the amazing one for, for the end. But the blonde was Sylvie Alberg. She was Swedish. She didn't have many lines. She mm. would usually kind of show up in things as pretty girl. Um, she was in silent movie as pretty girl. Um, but she was also uh, Chuck Barris's assistant on the gong show. Like. Oh, like on air assistant yeah, or like his personal assistant. assistant that would go get him coffee. No, no on air assistant. Okay. But the, the 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 one that actually had the worst acting chops, I felt. And this, I mean, this is in retrospect. She was just starting out was Edie Williams. She was the long haired brunette. Yeah. Um, she. Was married to Russ Meyer. Oh, wow. Because they met on the set of uh, Beyond Valley of the Dolls. Wow. 
And she was also a playmate. Of course. And she she's had a career that has spanned from the 60s until the present for the most part. A lot of those kind of like softcore <laughs> nudie roles. But the one that's going to blow your mind was in she was in one episode of I'm Dickens and he's Fenster. Ah! And it happened to be the joke, the episode what? that we did. She was I, she was the presenter at the awards dinner. Holy shit. What yeah. a connection. Hey, everyone, go back and listen to that I'm Dick and C's Finster episode, which you can no longer purchase on Amazon because they pulled down the digital files. I can still uh. watch mine because I paid for it, but you can't buy other episodes. So, oh, it's just shame. Um, so basically, so like then the, the Highland hottie sirens and rob part of Wayne Manor, like they rob something and they're like, we have to call... Uh, first of all, they're like when when Commissioner Gordon and um, Chief O'Hara come, and they're like, "Where you know where are um Bruce and Dick?" And she's, I do like they say that Bruce Wayne's at a millionaire's hunting club. Which, <laughs> if you hear that wrong, it's like, "Oh yeah, man, go hunt those millionaires." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Dick is like somewhere else, and so then they're like, "Well, we need to call Batman and Robin," and so they call Batman and Robin from Wayne Manor. To which Alfred has to be like, be right back. And then he walks, I guess, to the room next door <laughs> to answer the <laughs> bat phone and be like, yeah, they ain't here. <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> and then comes my absolute favorite moment of maybe the entire episode is this really long moment where when they find out they're out of town, they're on vacation. And then Chief O'Hara and Commissioner Gordon have this like freak out moment of like, oh, my God, do you know what this means? <laughs> we're gonna have to solve the case <laughs> that's what, and that's what i love there was so much i loved about this episode because it was an atypical batman 66 episode <laughs> yeah like they always started with someone left a clue batman figures out the clue this time it's chief o'hara i mean it's um commissioner garden and chief o'hara and they they take the lead and that's so crazy and their way of taking the lead though is to take everything back to the war because we set up the concert hall with sandbags and machine guns <laughs> oh, yeah. and that is the the peak uh police presence at the chandel oh, concert God. at gotham city concert hall because they take chandel back to the police station because he's like i need my like i need security at my concert um and i love Lib so how is liberace as an actor because he's awful but great he's the best and the worst and it's so oh, great i was full after we watched them because he ate so much scenery <laughs> that i couldn't i was i was <laughs> full after he was just like pointing and walking and there's one moment where he like gets hit with like, when he gets hit with the bagpipes or whatever and he like oh, oh yeah. he, like, faints yeah. by like flittering his fingers in front of his face and then like falling to the ground and it's like this is so great and like i i realized kind of like about three quarters of the way through the episode that i was like oh i've been counting his outfits i probably should have been counting his eye rolls <laughs> yeah because they would not stay in one place in his whole goddamn head no we also meet his so much fun too. We meet his I wrote down it was his pants roll, Harry. Because at this point, like we're back at his uh headquarters and like his twin brother Harry comes in, which fun fact, Liberace had a twin sibling, but was stillborn. 
he but he it also works with his act because Liberace had a brother, George Liberace, who played <laughs> George Liberace. True. George Liberace. He played <laughs> he played uh in in his band, he was kind of his band leader, and part of his whole shtick was they play together and every so often when when George couldn't make it, Liberace would come out to the audience and say, oh, I wish my brother George were here. <laughs> and that was kind of like – it was like this weird little like musician catchphrase that he had. That's weird. And so it, that's how I – it's weird because that's how I knew about Liberace was that Spike Jones, the 50s and 60s band leader – kooky band leader did a Liberace parody with Billy Barty, um, <laughs> the little person as Liberace. And he comes out with this tiny little piano with a chandelier on it. And Megan and I just watched it and he comes out there and he starts playing. I'm in the mood for love. And then he gets up and he says, I, I, I can't do this without my brother, George. And then in walks one of spikes musicians, uh, a character named Sir Frederick Gass. I know this because I'm a huge Spike Jones fan. And the two of them do some shtick for a while on I'm in the Mood for Love. And suddenly the, 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 the candelabra starts spewing. I don't know if it was if it was supposed to be wax, but it's it's like this like white liquid like milk or something <laughs> that's just spraying all over all of them while they're trying to they're slipping around on the stage and they're playing he's playing the piano and still singing and they're covered in this like i don't know what it was like <laughs> like like a diluted glue or something like that but that was the whole sketch I, when megan and i watched it just now but that's what i knew him for was he brother brother talk yeah the brother talk he played the piano he had a candelabra and he talked about his brother. I wonder so, if that, yeah, because that looks so like he's in a dual role. He does the Patty Duke thing of like, they have a thing where they have a shot with both Harry and Shandell in it where they are clearly, they're in such separate frames that even the wall color is separate. Like he's <laughs> yes. on a stage, Shandell's on a stage and Harry's below. And it's just like, man, this is the easiest mat job of just like slap, slap. Yeah, they're sharing the screen. Um, I also felt like, when when Harry walked on stage, I just wrote down it me because <laughs> like that is very much like it's liber like taking Liberace and just cramming him in just like a nice like normal suit. It's like oh that's that's how I go to work. That's that's my whole vibe. Uh, so there's a lot of like this duality of man going on with Shandell and you know Harry. I, I'm a Harry in my day to day, but I want to be more of a Shandell. <laughs> so when they Mar go. To when they go to the oh, concert, oh. I wanted to point out there's a really awesome, like, when, when Alfred and uh, Harriet are walking up, they have to walk past <laughs> a booth that is labeled the Anti-Criminal Fingerprint Booth, parentheses, mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I just love that. The signage on this show is great. So great. There's a whole Twitter account dedicated to it. Oh, it's fantastic. It, yeah, <laughs> that was what Megan pointed out with like the they had the machine gun nest yeah. there um, to the point where I think even at some point during the during when they're about to start the performance, uh, Commissioner Gordon like leans over to, you know, he's like talking to one of he's like talking into like a walkie talkie or something. And he's like, and let the machine gunists know, you know, 
make sure no bullet is wasted at the first sign of criminal activity. And I'm like, <laughs> Gordon Jesus. just gave the shoot to kill order. Oh my Jesus God. Christ. To protect a concert yeah. where all, that, all that's happened is a little bit of robbery. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shandell deserves it. You know, like if Beyonce Shandell asked for this kind of security, she would get it. Shandell is the Beyonce of the uh, Batman 66 universe. No, it's, it's, it's like, what if like Lady Gaga, someone's like, hey, Lady Gaga, I've heard that there's like a pickpocket in your audience out there. And she's like, get some guys with guns. And if anyone looks suspicious, kill them. <laughs> That's the equivalent. Um, I also wanted to point out, of course, Shandell's amazing silver glitter paisley tuxedo that he's wearing for this performance. Yes. God, it was so good. Is that the one? <laughs> um, Up we smash cut. Then there's like a really aggressive smash cut to the woods where Bruce yeah. Wayne is camping with another millionaire, I guess. Yes, um, millionaire camping is a two person pup tent. Yeah. And I so like um, so this is where we see where Bruce and Dick are. And simultaneously, mm -hmm. Dick Grayson is at like a malt shop with a lady with like a teen girl. And they're like getting close yep. to each other eating some sundays so that is where they are uh bruce is listening to the chandel concert on like a radio and he notices a wrong note <laughs> a, c, a c sharp minor where there should not have been a c sharp minor so what he does to 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 get the the phone to himself so he can call dick grayson he has the best line of the episode for me <laughs> to get his millionaire friend out of the tent he goes Run out and check the muskrat traps. Because yeah. <laughs> these millionaires are out hunting muskrats. Yeah. <laughs> that's right up there. Like, that's right up there with Nicolas Cage in the color, uh, the color out of space. <laughs> now I have to feed the alpacas. <laughs> so uh, I also love. So like at when Dick Grayson is like moving in to, to the to the girl that he's sharing a booth with, and his like mm -hmm. he like accidentally shoves the ice cream sundae into her lap and then his exclamation is me and my lead-footed thumbs <laughs> <laughs> which really needs to catch on that needs to be in the vernacular i think but honestly like uh, the thing that the, the my favorite line though from that scene though after he's you know after he spills their obviously melted ice cream into uh her lap and she gets away and you know bruce bruce wayne calls him on his you know special remote walkie-talkie textbook <laughs> and you know he you know bruce like you have to come you know I have, i've clearly heard this you know a wry note and of course robin's like well that's impossible holy impossibility <laughs> chandel could never make a mistake and so you know he realizes he has to end his date and my probably my one of my favorite lines outside of literally everything that comes out of Shandell's mouth yeah. is um, he just looks up and he goes, and this is when I know you're really writing a comedy, he goes the fight against crime comes before everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh you went there. Yeah, that's a there's a double entendre there. <laughs> and then Cause... I realized I picked it up, I heard more after that episode, I was like, oh wow, y'all really like made some some real undertones yeah episode. robin is like straight up horny in this episode oh, like he God. is blue balls in it he wants some action um so they go back to wayne manor and this is where i want to talk about the outfits that um bruce wayne and dick grayson are wearing so uh andrew palak 
was the men's wardrobe supervisor for like 80 of the episodes of Batman 66. And I recognized that name because Andrew Palak was also the wardrobe supervisor for four episodes of season one of the Bob Newhart show. Boom, boom, boom. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> uh, I love his work. Um, so like Dick Grayson is wearing like a yellow, like V neck sweater that has like some nice cabling on it. And then, uh, Bruce Wayne is wearing a hunting jacket with like a really cool, like hounds toothy kind of like tweed, like fabric. And then like a jaunty ass neckerchief, which I am always here for. And I just, I just love, <laughs> I love these clothes. Oh, it's 100%. Just like, men and women both, like across both. Like, obviously, yes. Like, there was never going to be any question that Shondell and slash Liberace were going were to be coming in with anything less than excellence. Yeah. But like, all of the outfits on the women, like they had, I noticed this kind of right at the end, which, you know, we will get there, but like all of the outfits actually had like the Liberace piano slash signature logo oh. embroidered on their outfits. Like it was, it was next level really in terms of like costuming on these episodes. So this is the part where they like, they realize that Aunt Harriet is like what hanging out with, Shandell, and they're like, wait, could something leads to like Robin assuming that what his aunt is boning Shandell, and then like <laughs> Bruce Wayne's reply to that is so he is so offended on Aunt Harriet's behalf, and he says, Your Aunt Harriet is utterly above reproach. <laughs> like, yes. that, I, I so there's something there's a, a weird story behind that too is that she was going to be fired from the show madge blake was going to be fired oh. because people are like we don't care about aunt harriet she's not that important and harriet was was only introduced in the comics in 1964 because everyone was because. like batman robin and alfred are all three gay men living in a gay house in gay gotham because uh, there's no women around so they like just shoved aunt harriet into the comics pitch that story to dc yeah but but what happened was and it, it, it mirrors what you just said is that Adam West went to bat for her and said, no, she's she's important to the show. They were friends even after the show uh, ended. And she the story is that the next day he came to his dressing room and she had baked him a cake. (laughs) Oh, Madge Blake. Uh, And he said and he, he said later that that was the the nicest thing that anyone has done for him. I didn't realize uh, she was she was in 96 of the 120 episodes like and throughout all three seasons, too. Like, I didn't even really realize that. And a crazy fact about her again, I just learned it today. She and her husband worked on the atomic bomb. What? <laughs> <laughs> she, she and her husband created the detonator during World War Two for the atomic bomb. They got commendations from the United States Jesus. government for like helping stop the war. And Harriet. What the hell? Okay. Everybody has got their own yeah, story. What um so this is where what they they like they call Commissioner Gordon and I they don't even this is not a plot point, there is no dialogue, but Commissioner Gordon on his desk is just a shit ton of pills, and he is about to take just like a handful of pills 
I guess like Calvin's nerves and anxiety. <laughs> but the best part about it though was when that's right. That's right when he gets the call that oh thank goodness you know Batman and Robin are finally back yes. in action. And he was very nervous about going into the pills, but once he gets the call that Batman and Robin are back, he's like hell yeah, pop it open. I'm gonna take some pills. <laughs> Then what a subplot. Is this the best depiction of Commissioner Gordon uh, ever? It is probably the most accurate because he spends the entire episode being afraid that he will have to work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta say my favorite one is from the, the Harley Quinn show that's on where he's played by Christopher Maloney and he is just a wreck because his his marriage is falling apart. I don't know if you've seen it, but it is, it is a beautiful portrayal of Commissioner Gordon. That. So at this moment, Shandell is hanging out with Aunt Harry and they are drinking root beer from champagne glasses <laughs> and like doing the whole like arm reach around, like very romantic. <laughs> yes. And when he they are done drinking the root beer, did you notice that he dumps the root beer back in the ice bucket? <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe I wondered like, wait, is that what those champagne buckets are for? Do people just like spit or like dump <laughs> extra excess into those buckets of ice? Is that what people started doing after they saw that episode of Batman? <laughs> Everyone was doing it. Yeah. Maybe it's just like Liberace's whole thing. It's just like, yes, we do this where I come from. Uh, so then um, that is when Batman and Robin then go to his headquarters, right? And they see... Where does Aunt Harriet go? Oh, my God. There's so much plot in this. No, he, he, he sends her away. Okay. He sends her away to saying, oh, we will meet again soon. We'll, we'll talk soon. And and she's like crying real tears as she walks away. <laughs> she's an actor. He's, he is flicking a gentle handkerchief after her as she leaves with like literally like the most like flickiest of wrists that I've ever seen. <laughs> and he's trying to make it look like Harry attacked him because they're trying to set up to where like Harry is the bad brother that is doing all the crime. Uh, and so he like takes the root beer bottle, like bashes it on his head and then acts like he's passed out on his chaise lounge. Um, well, he takes so much time to arrange himself too yeah. on his chaise lounge. Like <laughs> he, he crosses his legs at the ankles. He adjusts his pants. He uh, adjusts his, a uh, very smart, um, black and gold brocade. God, I love uh, that. OB style smoking jacket. Which I'm trying to buy. find stuff like that for my quarantine. Like that's the look that I want to have in my quarantine right. and it's not happening. Brett, it's actually up for auction right now on Christie's. Oh, my so God. For $4,000, this could be yours. This exact robe? This exact oh robe. Oh, my God. This is what a Patreon is for. Ugh. <laughs> but yeah, so then they come in, and they immediately, they're like, he's passed out. He's been hit with a beer bottle. Oh, over here on his dressing gown, some smelling salts. <laughs> <laughs> just grab them. They wake up. He, pre he prepared for everything. Yeah. <laughs> then we get a fight scene, guys. Oh, I love I wrote an article for work about how Batman 66 fight scenes are the best fight scenes in all superhero stuff because it is just wide shots of middle aged men who are not fit throwing themselves at each other at full force. And it's, it's like so every good. episode he has to fight the Beagle Boys. Yeah. Yes. And just like stuffed into these like really tight fitting in uh, different scenes. <laughs> Yes, it's so and the, so like we get some of the sound effects, of course, my two favorites being Zlop and Zlonk. Followed in succession. Yeah, yeah. I remember those. And 
and this is also too where the 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 female henchmen kind of get into into the scene because we all know that like they are their whole role in this basically is to be sexy ghosts that we (laughs) only acknowledge are ghosts when they call themselves ghosts (laughs) and then when they disappear from wayne manor previously and bruce wayne looks after them and goes gone like wraiths (laughs) so perfect adam west line read and so their entire role in this fight scene is to be hot in between everyone yeah (laughs) they walk in between they they, like distract the men and then they like will duck out of the way and then the hunchman will punch over them while they've ducked good (laughs) strategy (laughs) everything from like a handkerchief drop to one of them wandering around maybe pretending she can't read it's really hard to tell <laughs> it's so good but then then they get like is it harry then like sneaks back in and harry like hits the button to drop a giant roll of music on them yes a giant impractical roll of music on top of their heads rolled in gift wrap and probably made of chicken wire yeah so then then uh we get the whole imperil end of the first half uh, where they have been tied to a piano machine, like piano player, player piano, uh, or musical cut machine, and they're about to be, you know, perilously perforated by the player piano. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is popping their peas. Yes. Oh my god, Adam West was terrible with it. Peas were popped. Oh my god. <laughs> so then, at the beginning of the next half, uh, so you had to wait a whole day, come back the next day, and they were. How do they get out of this? whole uh shablam <laughs> this whole rigmarole well there there are two ways that they I did hate it. myself that i guessed it actually yeah. there, there there's there's the way that they explain and then there's the way that they actually do the way they explain <laughs> yeah. is robin s- sing exactly the notes that i'm singing so the punches will 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 miss us oh but he doesn't explain that part all he yes. does is like they're about to die robin's like uh you got anything bud and he's like robin you must sing exactly as i sing now let us sing but, however, the way they actually do it is both of them just start going blah 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 blah. <laughs> no, no, I sing do 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 ba ba be dee ba, and then Robin's like blah 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 blah. Yeah. Neither of them are. They're not even close to doing the same no thing. No synchronicity. Just like we were just now. Just just now, we totally blew that. Yeah, and the Amazon uh, caption says "scat sing," <laughs> but not in unison. Yeah. But like scat as in like feces. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I like, so like after they get out of it, uh, Robin's, uh, Robin's exclamation is holy perfect pitch. And yes! then Bruce Wayne or Batman's response is it is useful sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically when you are tied up to a, uh, paper punching machine. Uh, the Batman show was famous for doing that lousy one-off crap yeah being like i just happened to have perfect pitch or there there was one that with the penguin where batman you're the only person in the world who can paint fake fingerprints he's like (laughs) "Ah, i guess i'm the only one in the world who can do this that's great (laughs) so this is when Uh, oh yeah i also just sorry there was there was one other like line that i didn't want to that i actually wrote down and i want to just like commemorate commemorate here before we move on (laughs) and that was when robin is afraid that they are about to die he has this they have this conversation and after he gets a holy metronome out there Mm -hmm. he goes oh punched in the piano player roles and i was like (laughs) this is another moment where it's just like oh my god what yeah well i mean dick um burt ward had infamous piano player roles (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
He was he got around. Mm. I you, have you've read book. his autobiography, right? Yeah, I have yeah. it. My life well, in tights. There was that um story Frank Gorshin, was it all three of them? Frank Gorshin, uh Adam West and Dick Grayson all got kicked out of an orgy for being in character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's in the book. Yeah. <laughs> if you get a chance to find the book, I hope it's like available through like Amazon like Kindle or something because it's I bought it in 1998, so it's very it's probably out of print. But oh, it needs it needs oh, a fresh new cover, a new foreword. That's what it needs. Well, well, the first half of it is just like my debaucherous time. You know, I was like knee deep in beautiful women, and the second half is like so. When Batman ended, I started a dog rescue. I oh. fell in love with my wife, and then like he just goes on and on about how much he loves his wife to like, a very disturbing degree. It's with, like, like yeah, we came here for Batman, man. We didn't come here for. I will say so. So after watching a whole lot of Drag Race, um, I have noticed like the the tuck that <laughs> Burt Ward is doing as Robin is a mighty fierce tuck. It is <laughs> oh, supreme. Like it is smooth down there, smoother than a Ken doll. Like boys. Oh, but then they say like he wearing. He's also wearing like four different. He's wearing four layers of tights. Yeah, like they were both like wearing a lot of stuff. Because also <laughs> Adam West's uh, bat bulge is contained like it is <laughs> well with, with, with burt ward with, yeah, with, they're, they're with, snatched uh, with burt ward they actually gave him pills to try to shrink it down and they, after like a day or two he's like no this is gonna mess me up jesus <laughs> like, christ we're not doing this <laughs> the other thing was that they 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 painted the tights for the first couple of times was to get that like the 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 right skin shade yeah was they take the tights and then they paint them with a heavy paint so the uh, like they would crack and they were uncomfortable and that stopped too like they yeah. didn't know what to do with his legs yeah um so the so we find out what shinda what the whole plan is like of course through like weird comical Sherlock Holmesian deduction which is just random guessing they deduce that Shandell and Harry are there to kill uh bruce wayne and dick grayson so that the money will then go towards the third person in line for the wayne inheritance or whatever which is aunt harriet which then i wrote down why is aunt harriet in the will before alfred <laughs> <laughs> like it is bruce wayne's money so like in theory yeah it should go to robin next because dick grayson is his ward but then it shouldn't go to his ward's aunt it should go to the butler that raised him Arguably, it should go to the butler that raised him before it goes to his ward. I don't know. Like <laughs> Alfred, Alfred didn't have much of a role in this. No. Well, he, uh, even the like the, the whole Batman origin thing is not a part of this show. Like I think it is mentioned in the pilot episode, but then it is not. Like they don't make you keep watching Martha Wayne get shot like the movies do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just that. Once you once you take away the day to day, like life in Wayne Manor, like Alfred, he's not a part of the show that much. At least this episode. Yeah, and he's I, an interesting I, enough, dude. I'm surprised that Harry got so much to do, which we're getting to what Harriet does, which is wild. Um, <laughs> this is uh, a Harriet episode. This is when Batman is like, well, oh, they also realize it because they're like, wait a second, remember back to that. Uh, like that White House performance that Shandell gave, and then Batman and Robin simultaneously recall a memory together 
perfectly like they're yep. playing a video <laughs> they're in their mind palace yes they're in their mind palace <laughs> and they're remembering every note i love uh, that their mind palace is like spotlight on liberace <laughs> yeah i mean that yeah i mean uh the palace is the key word there liberace palace hand in hand played the palace so their whole thing is okay cool well we just need to make him think that we're dead so they stage a dark room tragedy at wayne manor <laughs> Shake your damn head. <laughs> Which Darkroom Tragedy is a good name for a band. Dark Name Tragedy in Wayne Manor is a better name for a band. Well, but yeah. I also love that it is specifically called out as being Dick Grayson's Dark Room. Please do not enter. Yeah. What's he doing in there? We know what he's doing he's, in there. Yeah, we know what he's doing in there. Jesus. This episode's made it very clear. <laughs> uh, well, this is where um, Shandell in his jeweled V-neck sweater and bow tie <laughs> tells he basically like tells the three the sirens like cool so we're gonna get in harriet we're gonna get the money when we get the money we can pay off my brother who's blackmailing me and then we can just go like be artists and it'll be cool again and the sirens are like fuck that we're criminals <laughs> so you, you, we forgot to mention why he's being blackmailed yeah it was because during the white house performance he used a player piano rather than playing it himself dun 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 milli vanilli <laughs> yeah and so the the sirens like turn on him and they like uh they don't they like um they bagpipes him <laughs> <laughs> they give him the old bagpipe <laughs> Give him the pipes. <laughs> Which is then, then, then that's when he has the great like finger wag. Ah! Yeah, which is so like, good. Um, the acting is just like mm, so choice. Is that so? Like, then Harry as Shandell goes to Wayne Manor, and so like this is where like the timeline is so weird because Aunt Harriet fully believes that Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne died while in the dark room enlarging a photo of me wait 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 which is so <laughs> funny um, but so like, tragedy in the throes of her mourning she accepts a visit from Shandell who's like please come and like perform with me and she's like awesome I'll be there and then he kisses her on the hand and then she pulls a um a Mary Jane in the Spider-Man movies and she, because she knows Shandell's mouth feel, and she knows that was not <laughs> Shandell's mouth on her hand. Because a girl can tell. A girl, a girl can tell what lips on a hand feels like. Also, they're twins. They're twins, but also they're Liberace playing the hardest role he's played in all of these, which is uh, Liberace playing a straight man pretending to be, be Liberace. Li yeah, that is true. Yeah. And also, so his his um, Harry is like, his mouth is always a Kimbo and he is like a big gangster. <laughs> it's so good. Which is probably which is exactly probably how Liberace just like thought of straight dudes. Yeah, <laughs> kind of exactly, how I think yeah. of straight dudes. So now thinking right, about so. that, yeah, she probably could feel the different mouth feel because Harry's mouth is always crooked. It's like... <laughs> it was just coming in at this funky angle. Yeah. And so then we get so now we're at the final show, the final showdown. <laughs> so Shandell is performing for Harriet, who is singing. And it is a Badly. total Florence Foster Jenkins moment. If anyone is familiar with that movie yeah. or that public figure, I, I wrote down like, "Ooh, her voice." <laughs> <laughs> but 
This she is was a nuclear scientist. She was not a singer. It no. is every grandma in every Easter service you've ever heard. Yes. Oh my God, it's my mom singing along to Queen. <laughs> yeah. So your so yeah, Freddie Mercury is your mom Shendell. <laughs> uh, this is where Harriet fucking pulls a gun on Shandell because she's like, I know you're Harry, and she is packing heat. Shit and. What what I find just so excellent about this is it's the slickest goddamn move I have seen Aunt Harriet pull. Like, he basically rags on her for being a terrible singer, and she is. Yes. And she's like, mm, you know what, you're right. And he actually suggests, he's like, maybe if you pulled your hat off and you could read the sheet music better. And she goes, hmm, perhaps I will. And she yanks a gun out of her hat, and she's like, stick him up, creep. And I'm yeah. just like. What? Yes. What? It's that, like the the main characters of this episode are Liberace and Aunt Harriet. Like this is not this a Batman. It's an atypical Batman yeah. sixty six episode. <laughs> there are two villains. One of them is not that bad. No, yeah, like he's being blackmailed. And every and every like every time you see like Batman sixty six villains, you hear Shandell as Liberace as Shandell. But it really was like the villain is Liberace as Harry. Harry yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is how how who takes out Harriet? Does one of the she gets bagpiped, doesn't she? She does. Yeah, she gets bagpiped because her trap gets double trapped. Mm. And, you know, even and the bagpipe girl sneaks up behind her and starts playing to it. Um, Liberace then springs up and like gently eases her down into a sitting position on the bench next to her. Just she I, just, was like, I was worried. I was worried about her. her. <laughs> she's, she's an old lady. She's like 70. So <laughs> be nice to her. And that is when they like load her like. Harry, it's Harry, right? Yeah, Harry's one. He's, he's mm-hmm. like, load him into the load him into this crate. And so, like, they load the crate in, and he, like, takes out a machine gun. This is the time you see a Liberace holding a machine gun. <laughs> Wait, did we skip over the lawyer? Oh, yeah, there's this whole, like, weird lawyer subplot. Where and it's... the whole joke is lawyers are crooks. Yeah. Like, Shandell has a lawyer who's, like, a criminal lawyer. He's like, I'm a criminal lawyer. Criminal lawyer. <laughs> Because Harry gets brought in, and right. So right when right right when Shandell knocks himself out with the root beer bottle, he tries to send Batman and Robin after his brother, and they succeed. So after that initial like fight where they escape from the piano player, they catch Harry, and Harry goes to jail. But he stays in jail for about five minutes because his like rat fink lawyer shows up. Yeah, and like. He also has this like half bit, you know, when we like flash forward to Aunt Harriet being trapped in the box at the end where like he double crosses the lawyer even when the lawyer gives him a bill for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because he puts both the lawyer and Harriet in the box to be murdered, right? Like to, sh- to pump them full of lead. They talk a lot about murder. Like they, they, they call him like Shundell, the murderous Harry and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But- like the biggest crimes that they commit are like theft. Yeah, there's Attempted there's murder. some light theft. Yeah, attempted. So when he pumps the when he pumps the box full of lead, out jump Batman and Robin holding the flimsiest bulletproof bat shield ever. Oh, that bat shield shows up all the time. Yeah, it's foldable. It is foldable, and then so he folds it up, and then the he like Adam West 
puts it to his side, and then when they cut to the white, it's gone. It's like he just like put it in a magic portal pocket under of his course. cape or something. So, this, so, yeah, like, they jump out, and it's, like, super cool. They saved, they said, like, we saved them while they were out on the sidewalk. <laughs> um, and then they fight, and then we got it. We get, it's a really quick fight, though. It's not because, as good as the first one. Yeah, no. Batman just, like, throws some bat gas, and it's, like, done. Yeah, oh, and, and was, this is where we find out that Shandell and the lawyer was like Shandell and the lawyer have been tied up, and they're about to get uh, music yep. punch pressed. To which uh, the way that Batman turns the the nefarious music punch maker machine is he just kind of haphazardly pokes at a couple of the music notes because this thing is purple bedazzled and covered in music <laughs> it's notes. Huge. It's a Liberace <laughs> piano roll music maker. It is, it's the kind, so like the giant sheet music that fell on them earlier, this is the machine that makes that, because it is proportionately gigantic. Absolutely. Like, it is huge. <laughs> but there is this weird way, there is this weird thing where like, they walk up to them, and Robin basically like, wants them to fucking die. He's like, out for blood. He's like, don't free them, let them get punched up. And Batman kind of entertains the notion, but then he's like, but you, like, you know what? That would be very wrong. <laughs> like it's for- well, because they they make this whole parable of like, yeah. you know, this guy is a lawyer who's supposed to be good but is bad, and this He's guy an artist is a who doesn't who- love art or something. Like, yeah, it's very weird. And then Batman's like, but you know what? The worst thing of all is a crime fighter who takes justice into his own hands. <laughs> and then they decide to turn the machine off. And then it's fine. So like, and then uh, at the end of the episode, we get a uh, well, we get a little coda in uh, Commissioner Gordon's office with Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson and and Harriet and maybe Alfred's there too. It's like they don't have the heart to tell Harriet that her favorite singer slash boyfriend, fiance, (laughs) is in jail because they like hand her a going away note. Um, I wrote down that she says the phrase makes America great. I can't remember what context, but it, I can't hear those words together anymore. Um, Oh, no. uh, And then we get a last scene. The last scene. The last scene is, oh my god, beautiful. <laughs> Shandell in a prison, like, prison blues, like, denim, you know, top and, like, set. But it is lined with, like, bedazzle crystals and yeah, his piano. rows of sequin stripes. Yes. Like, red and blue on, like, yeah, like, prison blues. But against this piano that like is literally in black and white stripes prison stripes looks like friggin beetlejuice it's like great zach wilde's guitar and then we get a um pan across of the three hinch ladies in jail and they are all in like really cool black and white stripe horizontal stripe like tight tops and then they all yes. just have a shit ton of jewel jewelry on <laughs> like yes. huge earrings and necklaces i'm like man they did not take any of that off Oh, it's like this full-on, like, Elvis Presley, like, blue, like, it's that, it's it's that type of, like, kitsch, but, like, everyone yeah. is sitting there listening to, like, you know, Liberace's version of Not Jailhouse Rock, because it wasn't that song at all, but it was just, and they are in, like, tight, again, like, this is, again, where, like, you know, it's super eight-year-old well me is wrapped with attention, <laughs> because she's just like, why, why do I like them so much? They're in these, like, tight, black and white striped cat suits, and again, you see, like, on all of their, like, up, like, on their, like, shoulder, you have the, this piano sequined signature lapel that was so Liberace's good. signature that was on all of his clothes. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I also wrote down on my notes that just Adam West is so much man. 
he's just the most like again like my you know child like of just like ooh like yeah i definitely had a crush on like adam west's batman as a as a little child um he had just, he had one moment that that killed us where he's there he and robin are standing on the left side of a door frame and but he needs and he needs to get on the other side of the door frame they're both looking in and he hops across with a hop that is like just like arms shaking back shaking just this weird <laughs> very weird little like ballet leap just to get across it, a doorway it was like someone tried to make a hopscotch hop look like you could die <laughs> <laughs> adam west is just god he he's so great in this role um yeah are we ready for some must have facts yeah hell yeah Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Cool. So, um, I don't know the ratings for this episode because it is impossible to find. But rumor has it, apparently these are the highest rated episodes of the entire run because of the Liberace factor. So Liberace was, I want to say, the biggest draw for the 1950s and 60s. There was like a 10 year period, I think, where yeah. he was like the biggest like the highest paid he had like he had a las vegas residency and it was just like he was show business yeah he was called mr showmanship and he was apparently pulling in like ninety thousand dollars a week for his performances oh my god well that's a bag yeah um so for the season for the 1966-1967 season the top five shows that aired number five was jackie gleason show four was the lucy show three was the andy griffith show two was the red skeleton hour and number one was bonanza the bonanza show (laughs) so um batman aired twice a week which is just totally wild like such a big like yeah we're going all in on half hour batman um so it's Tuesday. So the uh, ABC October 66 Wednesday night lineup was Batman at 730. So this is before primetime even. It aired opposite Lost in Space on CBS. So like that is a hard choice to make um, for me. <laughs> so that hour that night was Batman at 730. The Monroe's at eight, which was an hour long. The Man Who Never Was at nine. Peyton Place at 930. And ABC Stage 67 at 10 so a lot of who knows what's going on there um thursday though hot lineup very hot lineup actually oh my god uh october 
that month, 7.30, Batman, 8 o'clock, F Troop, 8.30, The Dating Game, Hmm. 9 o'clock was Bewitched, 9.30 was That Girl, and then it closed out the night with something called Hawk. But I'm like, Batman, F Troop, Bewitched, and That Girl, that is a killer lineup. That's pretty amazing. That's a really good one. That'd be really good. It is so weird just to think that, like, Batman aired twice a week. Like, it's such an interesting, like, they don't do that with scripted shows anymore. It's always, like, the voice is on every night. (laughs) And if it's not the voice, it's the mask singer. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, Liberace apparently was also super nice, and he did many concerts for the cast and crew after days of filming. There were a lot of scenes that just kind of played out where he just played the piano. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of just him just playing uh, his biggest hits, I'm sure. And there's there's literally nothing wrong with that. No, like it is it is completely called for. It's what the audience wanted. Um, <laughs> it's probably what Liberace wanted. It's demanded. Uh, <laughs> like know. now nowadays, you're kind of like like imagine like if if like a, a a country singer guest stars on a sitcom and they're like, well, you know, thanks for saving my concert. How about I play you guys a song? And you're just like, oh, do we have to sit through yeah. this? But this, like Liberace playing the piano, is completely called for and enjoyable. Yes. Especially when it is also integral to the plot, as this is. (laughs) So, uh, Shandell is obviously an original character. He's not from the comics, as many of the villains from Batman 66 are. Uh, But he did appear in the comics the first time in 2013's Batman 66 number 2 by Jeff Parker and Ty Tippleton is a modern comic book just based on the sixth continuation of the 60s uh 60s uh live action show which is a really fun book yeah um on imdb 212 users rated the first part of this a 7.8 out of 10 and 200 users rated the second part 7.6 out of 10 so it's an average of 7.7 is that would you go higher lower right on the money 7.7 for this I honestly would have gone higher because, like, I'm going to round up and and give this an eight Mm -hmm. just in terms of viewership. But, like, honestly, in terms of, like, the level of writing, the self-awareness of the camp, like, this is absolutely one of those things where perhaps in the moment it might have been seen as, like, this is a high point. But, like, I've seen better classic Batman and Robin than this. But, like, looking back on it, I'm like, this is, like, a solid, like, this is at least, like, nine out of a ten, like, in terms of, like, <laughs> true Batman 66 unfiltered camp. Yeah. I would have, I would have like, set this one up. I know it wasn't. I would have set this one up as, like, a season premiere. Because yeah. it's a huge guest star. Yeah, this is it's mid-season. Great. It completely breaks with the formula that all of the other episodes have done. Um, you get like you get musical performances. You get you know all this Liberace, huge guest star. Like this one breaks the mold for me, and I think that is definitely a good reason why it would rate higher than most other episodes. Yeah, I would give this like an eight point five. It's just so much fun, um, especially for one that does not have. Joker, Penguin, Riddler, or Catwoman, which are like, those are the ones you really want to watch because they're like the most popular villains and like the best performers doing it. But hey, you know, I would have loved to see more Shandell on this show. Yeah, they had a lot of those one-off villains that were extremely forgettable. Yeah. Or even some recurring villains like, I want to say, Bookworm and King Tut. They were interesting, but they were kind of like gimmicky characters and they all fell into that 
same formula that you could slot any villain in. And this one, I, <clears throat> I love it because it broke the mold. Yeah. So who had the must-see performance in this episode? I mean, is it unanimously Shandell? Yeah. So should we start? Should we start like looking at like who 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 is like the second place in this? I mean, like it is definitely is Liberace by far. Just every single uh, eye roll, hand flail, like so much. I mean, he's playing two roles and he's giving it his all. Yeah. 100%. Like, honestly, like, if we have to start handing out second place, which, like, I'm just going to start handing out second place, I actually kind of want to give it to Horny Dick Grayson. <laughs> he was yeah. so horny this whole time. Yep. I mean, that the, the, sh- the show works because Adam West is so good at what he does. And it's just so, like, he plays it so straight and so serious, and it works because of that. There's, like, no shame or um, restraint in his performance, and he's great. I love him. Um, I might go with second second place for me might be Madge Blake as Aunt Harriet because she had more to do in this than like any other episode that I've seen her in. <laughs> she got Usually to basically just, almost save the day. Yeah. She, she figured she, it out on pulled, her own. She pulled a gun. <laughs> out of her hat. Out of her hat. <laughs> like if you watch so many of these episodes that you can understand why people didn't like her because it was just like, oh, she's going to be fretting about Dick Grayson staying yeah. out late again or like she kind of like floats through a scene and frets about something but like no she had some work to do yeah and also like the most um usually the the role she has is the like i'm not in on it like i don't know that they are batman and robin so that character is always annoying because they're always being lied to they can never figure things out and so like the fact that in this episode she actually figures something out she doesn't figure out that batman and robin were missing at the same time as her nephew and employer i like but she does figure out from a kiss that shandell and harry are not the same person um must other people see this episode fuck yeah oh 100 <laughs> especially right now just have uh just have a laugh escape into the wacky wacky world like I, I wouldn't make this anyone's first batman 66 episode but like once you've seen like two or three, like now we can show you a good episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I just because like kind of like you mentioned, where like it is intentionally a departure from the standard formula of a Batman and Robin episode. It is one. It's like you absolutely have to see it just because it is so like delightfully deranged. <laughs> but you kind of need to get that flavor of like what is a Batman and Robin. Yeah. 66 episode first before you can appreciate just like how demented this is make this your fifth uh two-parter after you watch a joker penguin riddler and catwoman then do a chandelle and then you'll be like wow that was delightful (laughs) yes awesome well we did it um Yay. Yeah, so where can people find y'all on the internet to talk about um batman 66 I'm on Twitter at Ethan K. Uh, it's where I talk about funny things. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been spending, honestly, most of my time on Instagram documenting stories from quarantine, mostly just scenes of my cats while I work from home yep. as they slowly begin to tire of my ongoing presence in their lives. <laughs> and that handle is M-K-O-K-M-K-A-Y-E-O-K. Yeah. Well, that does it for this episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guests, Ethan K. and Megan K. for dropping by and talking about Batman with me. Next time, I'll be discussing the Mary Tyler Moore Show episode, Will Mary Richards Go to Jail? 
that is the season five premiere of Mary Tyler Moore show. And you can stream it on Hulu until then. I want to hear from all of you follow must have seen TV on Twitter and Instagram. Let's talk about sitcoms. And if you want to watch live streams of classic sitcoms, figuring this out, give me your email address via Twitter, Instagram, or emailing must have seen TV at gmail.com. And I'm going to try and set up some zoom rooms or something where I'm going to play things. Uh, on like from like Hulu and Netflix and stuff, uh, not from iTunes or Amazon because I discovered that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> and if you like what you've heard, please rate and review Must Have Seen TV and Apple Podcasts. Excuse all of my audio imperfections. We are doing this guerrilla style in life during wartime that we're in right now. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett White. Read the words that are right. Decider.com. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening, and I will see you next time on Must Have Seen TV! A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.